special of me. Good evening, John. Hi, Rob. How are you? Long time no speak. <laughs> it has been a while, hasn't it? Yeah. Uh, um, yeah, a few things have kind of a bit of illness got in the way, a holiday, a bit of work, all coming together to keep us from the podcast for a few weeks. Yeah, absolutely. But we're back. Yeah, we are. Um, uh, welcome to uh, North v South. I was trying to remember the name of the show then. Uh, it's been the po- that long. The podcast that is and isn't about design. This is episode 59. Mm. We're slowly moving up through the gears of a large yeah. combine harvester. And uh, we are this week, we are not going to talk about framing because we are rubbish. Um, but we've got so much news because it's been four weeks since our last uh, podcast. So um, firstly, yes. I'd like to apologise, but I haven't been very well. So, um, and we've been really busy. Rob's in the middle of wedding season, and I have been home looking after a, an errant three-year-old. <laughs> I don't know which is worse. Which is worse, Rob? Well, I don't know, John. To be <laughs> honest, I mean, at least, at least there's a there's an end point to wedding season. We've just passed the the craziness of wedding season. This August has been insane. It's been uh, multiple weddings every weekend. Uh, and I, by, uh, by Monday this week, I was a, a broken man and I still ache, but um, that's it. It's kind of all calm now for the rest Is of the year. Is that just emotionally? And done physically broken. Right. Yeah. Uh, every, everything's bruised and aching and creaking. Oh dear! It involves a lot of carrying. Does it setting up weddings? Yeah. Mm. Um, but yes, it's just one a week now for the rest of the year, so which is all nice and sort of relaxed and doable. So yeah, yes. And you're you're suffering today, aren't you? Or you were? Are you not now? Uh, I've had a beer, so I'm uh, a little bit numb. But yeah, I've got a uh, a, a tooth issue. Um, oh, I can but, feel your pain. <laughs> yeah, no, I've been uh, I've been in the wars, but um, I'm starting to come out of it and been very busy doing lots of things that doesn't make me any money yet, but hopefully will do. But I, I haven't. I have to uh, say I haven't heard um, a hiss or a uh, any fizz coming from do you know, y- your end. Not on, not only did my. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, that's all cleared up now, John. Um, not only did my wife uh, go out and buy me beer and a pie, um, but she brought me up my beer already opened uh, with a small plate with some uh, fresh cut bread and some hog roast pork po- uh, sausage rolls. Yeah. So if yeah. you hear me nibbling throughout the podcast, that'll be why. I'm drinking Kona Longboard. Oh, yeah. My new favourite tipple. You've been raving about that. Yeah, it's just a it's just a really good lager. It's like nothing too flashy. Four point six percent. It's just really nice. Well, I uh, I received a box of beers yesterday, Rob. No, you didn't. Yeah from from uh, from this northern boy. Have you heard of him? Yeah. Oh, occasionally. <laughs> oh, overly and wonderfully generous is how I would <laughs> well, describe it. So yeah, so you've been I've putting in a lot of work on the print side of things so uh, you deserve a, a beer that's, or two that's very kind uh, and it's very exciting to work my way through um the strangest collection of beers um uh yeah very have you drunk any of these beers i don't think well i don't know because i've got a i got a random box of of beer bod stuff um a while ago um but i think i got you did i get you the beer geek yeah or not yeah so it's full of really strange things isn't it yeah really strange uh, i had one that i had what to you plumped for i had to get rid of it i'm afraid the the one i started <laughs> with today it was uh it was i can't remember the what was it the make of it um but it was um salt and coriander and eucalyptus wow yeah i gave yeah, it to a beer doesn't... expert to try my father-in-law yeah. Um, yeah. It, it 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 was not good. It was like a lambic beer, but tasted of salt. But I've had a, I've had a really good one, uh, which is mm-hmm. the um, I can't remember the name of the Japanese uh, brewery that's got an owl on the top of. Oh yes, really really nice, lovely. And I'm about to Love open a Wiper and True, which has got mm. a picture of the space shuttle on on the front of it. 
Nice. I've not had their stuff before. I've seen I've, I've seen it in the beer either. shop. Y and T. Um, but this is a milk. This is called Hard Shake, and it's a milk stout, uh, which is sweet, wow. sweetened using um, cow's milk. And I Good thought, luck. is that some new trendy thing? But um, again, father-in-law, beer, beer professor, said that um, one of the characters on Coronation Street used to have a milk stout. So oh, it was Edna. Edna uh, was it? Uh, or I Edna? Well, yeah. I don't know. Something northern. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, I, I guess stouts have always. Uh, included strange stuff, haven't they? Because they used okay. to do oyster stouts. They used really? to use actual actual oysters to thicken and flavour the beers. In the days when oysters were dirt cheap and the Thames was full of them. Mm, tell, tell me more. They sound delicious. <laughs> <laughs> um, How's the beer? Oh, it's, deli- it's it's that is lush. Yeah, that, that okay. is like a yeah. It's like a Macassons. It's sweet. Well, that's like, all right. It's isn't like it? two out of three. Yeah, no, you're doing well. Uh, yeah, for that. Beautiful bottles, beautiful design. Uh, you know, if you're if you're a bottle uh, designer, I'm sure there are experts out there at the moment. You are uh, in halcyon days, aren't you? Really? Mm. Yeah, I think beer beer packaging is uh, is looking great at the minute. There's some really. Uh, did you get any cans in yours or, or bottles? Yeah, yeah, I got uh, about three or four cans. Yeah, some of the cans are fantastic as well. Really textured uh, kind of vinyl wraps on them and embossed stuff. Really cool. I'm loving the design yeah. a lot more than some of the beers. Yes, me too. Um, but that's what have very you been nice. up to since we last since we last. Well, spoke? I was trying to think, and I I think I've mainly been ill and may mainly been looking after children. But in between, I've been trying to uh, push. Ellie press on and we're pretty much ready to go. Um, I've been finalizing some bits today and um, I'm going into test mode tomorrow and then Very we're going to do a, going to do a bit of testing with Mr. T over the weekend and then we're going to yeah. start selling some products. Um, and after that, I've really got to start thinking about marketing it, what I'm going to sell and start making some actual products. Now I've built the platform yeah. that you can sell things on. I've realized, you know, obviously I could could have used any, any kind of off the shelf thing and got there in a couple of weeks. Um, but I've now built something that is totally bespoke and, you know, uh, that I have full hundred percent control over. Happy with it. Yeah, I'm pretty happy. Yeah. Uh, in, you know, I've got to ship it now. Um, but, uh, have yeah, you like, learned much in the yeah, process. I've been learning, um, CSS grid, which is a new, we've spoken about it before a couple of times, which mm. is a new um, set of basically set of uh, layout commands that will give you really, really almost page like control over uh, laying out web pages. And I have to say it's absolutely marvelous. And lots of the um, lots of the new browsers come ready with it. Um, so it is pretty much, I'd say, 70 percent ready to go. Um, so I've been coding a lot, lot in that, trying to, trying to learn good ways of doing it. One of the really cool things about it is that you can, you've almost got like an ASCII art form of laying out pages whereby you can give different sections of, um, say you had a page layout with a, say we were just taking a magazine and putting it online. You could take mm. the, the, the masthead and call it, you know, well, you can give it a variable of masthead or MH, you'd probably want to do it. And then you'd have like your sidebar, which you might call SB. And then you literally, you type out a, in inverted commas, a, an ASCII art chart of it, and it will lay it out according to the position that they are in that little picture. Um, so what you can then do is you could say, right, okay, so at 320 pixels wide, draw it like this, and you give all the little ASCII art, and then you say at mm-hmm. 768, so a portrait, small tablet, um, draw it like this. So you might position the sidebar rather than underneath all the content. Mm-hmm. It might be to the right-hand side. And then in super widescreen, you might position it entirely differently. Um, and it just literally automatically picks up all of the content and positions it exactly how your drawing looks, which is kind of cool. Mm. Uh, you know, it, for visual designers, I think will be a lot easier to understand. Yes. I mean, <laughs> much of what you've said has uh, skimmed straight over the top of my ginger head. Um, 
No, but, but yeah, I, it does sound very interesting. Yeah, no, it's it's gonna it will um it will revolutionise page page layout on um or, or web layout definitely hundred percent really is revolutionary. So if you're not learning it yet, get get learning. It's really easy to learn as well. So yeah, I've been um I've been working on early press and we've been doing some test prints and it's looking fab. Um and um, just looking at you know further investments, getting bigger printers once we start running along but for now the next two or three months is just going to be can we make money out of it and can we fulfill the orders that come in it's going to be really really interesting isn't it when we launch just to see what kind of response we get i mean interesting from you in a slightly more abstract way um it's scarily interesting for me because it's a case of who wants to buy my art um but yeah, interesting times. Definitely, and I think you know we will. We're we're launching with just plain uh, unlimited inkjet prints, and we will then be, you know, uh, offering limited edition, um, maybe even you know screen printed and all sorts of interesting products. But for now, it's just vanilla plain. Um, yeah, but beautiful to looking. Start with. They look great. Really, yeah, they really, do. They look really nice. Yeah. Quality is excellent. You've papers, done a grand job. Paper's lovely, and the drawings are fantastic. Um, and right. yeah, so I think I think I think it's going to be it's going to be interesting next few months. Uh, really, you know, I think I'm sort of on the edge. I haven't got many much commercial work on. I haven't been taking any on, and it's okay. been August. So this really could be for me a make or break moment in terms of that I'm going to put in. 100% of my effort into making this a success rather than it being an, a side project, um, yeah. which I think often can stimmy things. Do you know what I mean? It, yeah, absolutely. Because you, you kind of look at it without a, a sort of professional outlook, do you? If it's just a side project, if it's just something that doesn't really matter, um, you know, if you kind of view it as a, as your, not your main thing, but as a, a serious, uh, project then you know the, the results are going to reflect that I, I i definitely agree with you yeah um and well i, I went to the pig rob on your recommendation no. which is a rest uh, a restaurant and hotel in uh they've got a few around, dotted around the country but i think the original one is in um just outside <clears throat> brockenhurst in the new forest yeah. in the it's my favorite south of england uh yeah had a good time Nice, isn't it? Did you have yeah. any cocktails? Um, I had a gin and tonic. Yeah. Go to the pig. Next time, you've got to have a smoked old-fashioned. Well, I was going to, um, and uh, Jessica, turns out she knows the wife of the director of Pig Hotels. <laughs> so she texted <laughs> her saying, oh, we're at the pig. Um, I forgot to say. And obviously, you know, half an hour later, we got a big, um, a load of piggy bits, which is their kind nice. of pork scratchings and all sorts, and a bottle of the good um, pork scratchings, aren't Ham- they? Hambledon champagne. So oh, by the time I polished that off and a glass of wine and something else, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't really feel like uh, uh, an old fashioned. <laughs> yeah, that's no, a grand place. Yeah, I had a great time. Really, it's beautiful. The bar is stunning. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yes, one of my favourite hotels. Must go back there soon. Well, I tell you what, um, if, you go, if you go down there, we'll come down for a beer. Yeah, that'd be all right, wouldn't it? How yeah. f- I guess it's not that far from you, is it? No, it's, it's not under an hour. Yeah, oh, that'd be nice. Um, what else? Yeah, no, what have you been up to? Well, like we said, like we mentioned, mostly uh, weddings. Um, Steph's had, uh, I think, 10 or 11 weddings in 20 days. So it was kind of big, multiple wedding weekends, challenging logistics, delivering things here, there and everywhere and delivering olive trees to churches and then picking them up after the ceremony and moving them to the venue and hanging foliage laden ladders from conservatory ceilings. So it's it's been pretty full on, but um, Steph's been a marvel. Her flowers have been fab. <clears throat> and um, I didn't drop anything. So all is good. Um, 
apart from that, I've been I've managed to squeeze in a few commissions. Um, I've just started doing some little spaceship doodles, which I'm really pleased with. Uh, kind of playing around with the contrast between kind of the big hull uh, kind of planes of a, a spaceship. Uh, and then the kind of really gnarly, detailed, engine bits and playing with the proportions of those to make some interesting little spaceships. So that's nice. Um, I've got a new uh, team member <coughs> for this northern boy um, called Gwyneth. Um, she came in a box, uh, which is why she's called Gwyneth. If you've seen Seven, you'll know what I'm talking about. Um, and it's a skull, uh, not a real one. Uh, a, an anatomical model skull for reference. I tend to draw a few skulls doing fantasy doodles and things, um, which is great. It's pretty weird. I've never held a, a pretend or real skull before, and it's just quite a strange thing to kind of hold it in your hand and contemplate that that's what's holding your eyeballs in. Have you never um, played the prince upon the board? <laughs> I haven't. <no. laughs> um, but yeah, it does make you think. It's a weird little thing. It's sat on the windowsill at the minute with two LED lights in its eyes. <laughs> Classy. <glowing. clears throat> yeah. Um, but that's pretty much it. And like you said, um, doing some bits for the print shop for Ellie Press. Um, yeah. That's been, I've been in Shoreditch this week. Um, yeah, that's pretty much what I've been up to in the last few weeks, I think. Mm. I'm still reading The Stand by St- Stephen King. I'm kind of... Well, of course. Do- I'm done now with dystopia. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so done. Uh, he has taken it up to 11 and um, and drained the life out of it for me. Yeah. Um, Is he- this a, like a post-viral world? Yeah, he so he I think he wrote this book in 1980 odd. Uh, it was you know a thousand thirteen hundred pages back then, um, and yeah. he's recently re-released it with all the bits that the editors took out, um, and it explains why editors are there because he yeah. needs to edit. Um, he's a bit like Neil Stevenson, you know. He enjoys his own voice, but he's half the writer that Neil Stevenson is. I probably upset a lot of yeah. people there for Stephen King. Good storyteller, but my God, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I'm really struggling through that. And I hate giving up books. I hate giving up. Whereabouts them. are you in it? How I'm, far through? Uh, about a 1,000 pages in. So I've got 600-odd pages to go, which doesn't Ooh. sound like much, but that's too decent length. <laughs> novels, yeah. isn't it? it is. Yeah. I haven't got any um, novels on the go at the minute at all i've been uh, i've treated myself to a few art books recently so i've been perusing them and getting some inspiration and nice. uh, reading a few comics and things but uh, no novels at all which has made my commute um awful this week <laughs> so i must rectify that um should we get on some news yes i've got some uh, fresh news um yes with- Fresh from the last four weeks. I just clicked on your first link and nearly swore. <laughs> Have you seen how much it is? <laughs> yeah. <sighs> so I got an email just before the show started. So um, it's uh, Star Wars. Have, um, sorry, Star Wars. Lego have just released uh, information about a new uh, model. Um, it's their largest ever model. It's got... 4,000 and something bits in it. Uh, I think the worst. No, sorry. I, t- I tell a lie. 7,500 pieces. It's the Millennium Falcon. Good God. And it's 650 pounds. <laughs> <laughs> I, do, I just, I can't I process how I can't. much money that no, is. I can't. I mean, it is very detailed, but it is essentially just some plastic bricks. The profit margin on that must be enormous. It says... Um, Unless, you know, 300 quid of that is licensing fees to Star Wars. Oh, yeah, well, it will be, won't it? I, I, I'd have, um, in the co- there, There's been two comments since I've been sitting here, and the first one is... Um, the second one is, so excited for this new set. Um, 
As with all the Ultimate Collector's Editions, I will be picking up at least two of these sets, one to play with and one to put away. You should probably do the same if you can. No, 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 no. Yes, I'll just <laughs> sell a kidney. Yeah. I think you Why can man? buy a kidney from, for less. But, um, yeah, a beautiful-looking yeah. uh, Lego object. Um, but £650. Get over yourselves. Yeah. That is insane. I mean, that's not something you're going to buy a child for Christmas, is it? £650? No. No. Well, you'd hope not. It's a lot of money. Yeah. I mean, it looks fab, but that's an insane amount of money. <laughs> cool. Um, my first bit of news. Um, Trump. We haven't really discussed Trump, and I don't really think we should. He's a despicable, hideous little man. Um, but his uh, his presidency is proving um, a gold for kind of satirists and cartoonists at the minute. Um, I think it'll continue to do so until he's impeached. Um, but Mad Magazine, which I had no idea was still going, no. um, produced a really fantastic bit of uh, illustration um, in relation to Trump's um, uh, rescinding a ban on police forces buying surplus military equipment. Um, It was a ban that Obama put in place and Trump's um, got rid of it so they can now buy, you know, kind of crazy high powered equipment. Um, And the artist Richard Williams for Mad Magazine has done a, a homage to Norman Rockwell and it's a little kid sat on a, a stool at a diner with a, a cop next to him and the, the owner of the diner looking on and in the original you know everyone's hunky-dory and the kid's smiling at the cop and the cop's smiling at the kid and the man behind the counter is smiling at them both uh, and in this new version the cop is in a helmet with a visor and a gas mask and he's got an M16 and a flap jacket and a pistol and a, all sorts of stuff. And this kid is just reeling away from him. And I just think it's absolutely fantastic. Um, and I think it really sums up a lot of what Trump is allowing to happen in America. Um, and weirdly, you would imagine a lot of Trump supporters are that kind of, you know, the kind of Brexit type people who yearn for a, an England of yesterday. And Trump supporters yearning for this, America of yesterday, which is kind of the sort of stuff that you would see uh, in Norman Rockwell's paintings for the for the Illustrated Post. Um, yeah, I, I just think it's a really striking image. I think Richard Williams has, has done a cracking job there. Yeah, I hope he gets uh, wide wide coverage. <clears throat> it shouldn't really be in a in a comedy magazine, should it? Really, it could no, be on a yeah, fantastic political cartoon. Yeah. Uh, what else have you got? <clears throat> well, it's a typeface, a new typeface from the BBC. Um, and yeah. It's called BBC Reef, uh, after the founder of the British Broadcasting Corporation, or the first um, director, is it? What's the... I think so, yeah. Yeah. Um, Lord, General. Lord Reef. Um, uh, I found this really peculiar story, because, yes, understand totally why they've done it, um, and I think the obviously the work that's gone on behind it and they've got top people involved and uh, all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, they've got Dalton Mag, haven't they? Uh, yeah. As a consultant. Yeah, you know, they know, they know their business. Um, yeah. But it's just the way it's been rolled out. It's very, very peculiar. Um, firstly, it's announced on... Um, it's Colin Burns, who's the chief design officer. Um, and... They have a blog on the BBC, which is awful. I mean, like... It's, it looks like it's from 1980, doesn't it? <laughs> it's really terrible. It's terrible. There's a graphic in the middle of the blog, uh, which is, you know, your traditional A to Z waterfall of different letters that they're going to be mm. using. So it's kind of um, a soft sans serif, say it's slightly humanist. But then they've made bold in the middle of it um, some of the letters to spell out wreath which are then slab serif. Yeah. 
But so, but it includes uh, a serif and a sans serif, doesn't it? Ruth? Does it? I think. Right. Um, I, didn't, I don't yeah. really understand. But the the illustration is is it's a it doesn't make any sense to me. No. Um, um, it's very strange. Uh, the new typeface has a, uh, a calligraphic human touch due to each letter's varying stroke width. It's more legible because each letter is allowed more breathing space. Uh, new typeface has been produced in five different font styles with three sans serifs and two serifs. Okay, well, um, you know, fair enough. Yeah, I, I can to- yeah. totally understand why they've done it because of the licensing fee of Gil Sands. Um, yeah. and so now they own the font. I don't think people understand that at all. Um, but <laughs> what's really interesting is since I read the article, it is absolutely filled with comments. Uh, I don't know why they've allowed comments oh, is on, it? on the I blog. Haven't, I haven't read but it the is. comments are all about the... Um, the Vidi printer on um, <laughs> Footy Focus, which yeah. is using this font, but obviously in too lighter, uh, lighter weight, and nobody can read it. Really? So, <laughs> so for a uh, a typeface that's meant to be proven to be out Legend. in the world, I'm sure there's I'm sure there's uh, there's valid reasons why. I'm sure, you know it sounds like they've got all the right people involved in this, um, and I yeah. can totally understand why they uh, why they. Well, they've done what they've done, but I just why one why announce it on a really really awful looking um, website? Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. It's I very just, much. I don't understand. It looks like a blog that no one but uh, people in the IT department at the BBC would read. Yeah, but if you're the chief design officer, wouldn't you just insist that it is set in the typeface that you've just spent? You know. X amount of thousands of pounds. Yeah, I mean, I I guess the thing with the BBC is everything is um, on kind of different platforms. And Steph used to work um, in the BBC on the the web pages for BBC Sport, Uh, and they have lots and lots of kind of different bespoke platforms for rolling out content to different parts of the web pages, and you know, so I think. I think if they'd had like a clean slate, they would have just oh, ab- rolled, abs- it, rolled yeah. out with more sense. But yeah, sorry, I, I was saying that with a lot of uh, tongue in tongue in cheek. Well, yeah. Uh, yeah, but I th- I think that this it's a really good example of working design in the real world and the kind of yeah. pressures and uh, and kind of uh, <clears throat> politics that you have to work with to roll something mm. that is perfectly good out without getting slapped by the public or by the stakeholders or whatever. It's, it's a difficult job. Yeah. It's weird. I'm actually working on a illustration project at the moment. I've done a first round of illustrations and I'm having a meeting on Monday about the next round, uh, which is for the BBC digital and UI departments. And it's the illustrations are to illustrate their project mapping and planning uh, kind of processes. So it's very, it's, I kind of get an insight into kind of how many sort of stakeholders they have in any decision that's made and any project. And so it must be an absolute nightmare trying to get anything done in one of these kind of old clunking institutions like BBC or the NHS. Um, yeah, so they'll envy them that. Uh, yeah. I quite like the typeface. It takes me back. Yeah, it's nice. Uh, it takes me back to um, a meeting I had last year with a, um, I'm going to just be frank, uh, an ex-BBC uh, head of journalism there who his first meeting in our design, it, our, our design meeting was, I hate design. That was his first sentence as he That's came in. That's a good in. start. Yeah. yeah. Um, so uh, you, you've got a designer. You've got a designer in here. Why are you here? <laughs> yeah. Why am I here? Why, you know, why is anybody you here? you to justify your existence? No, no, but I got paid eventually. Oh, <laughs> there we go. Yeah. I got uh, a couple of books this week. I got the Hellboy volume one, the library edition, which is the big kind of cloth bound black hardback. Oh, I saw that a uh, photo in a photo book. and I wondered oh. where, where did you get that? Just, they're, they're just a, Available on Amazon. Oh, um, I'm struggling with the uh, of the whole um, timeline of Hellboy, so I need your help with that. Yeah, I've read all of Hellboy up to date um, digitally. 
um, which is fine. I, I find that I find reading comics on an iPad or an iPhone a bit clunky still, the way that the screen pans from panel to panel, and you often get um, kind of glimpses of the next panel. Or if you yeah, know, I, t- uh, I turn that off. I like to watch. I like to read a proper comic. Uh, yeah. Um, so it's really nice to get this beautiful, beautifully printed book, which is slightly oversized comic pages. Um, and it's gorgeous. So it's really nice to dive back into Hellboy and I'm eventually going to get them all. I don't know how many there are. Um, but that's lovely. Um, and then the other little book I got is a little, uh, printed book from Jonathan Edwards, who's on Twitter and Instagram as John Tofsky. Uh, and he's an illustrator, an English illustrator. Uh, and he goes to Japan a lot. And he's produced, um, this is Sketchbook Volume 6. I don't know if they're all um, from Japan. But certainly the last two or three have been. Um, and he paints watercolours. And he's got this incredible, sort of slightly geometric, faceted style of painting. And it's wonderful. And there's a few images in this book in particular that are just stunning, kind of like the uh, the facades of Japanese kind of bakeries or uh, just little kind of side street shops or apartment buildings, you know, absolutely packed full of detail. And they're, they're just stunning. He's a really, really talented guy. Um, so go look him up on, on the internet, John Tofsky. Spelled exactly as it sounds, and uh, if you like his stuff, go treat yourself to one or two of his sketchbooks. They're only about six or seven pounds, and they're beautiful little things. I just looked him up, and I know his uh, wife or partner. What? Uh, she's called Felt oh. Mistress. Yes, she is. And she makes uh, little felt animals. Yeah, amazing stuff. They they work together on stuff as well. Oh, okay. I think he's, I think he's designed some of the kind of crazy creatures that she then makes. I, I love so that you, that community. I think they're just. Do you know? Do you know his wife, or do you know? Or did you mean you know of her wife? No, I wife? know of her from um, okay. Dan Berry. Hmm. She's been on that a couple of times, um, and uh, yeah, I just I love that community. They're they're really they seem like a you know that uh, we've said it before, haven't we? About illustrators, they're just a nice, gentle, um, oh, yeah. pleasant. Intellectually stimulating and talented bunch, and they're warm and friendly generally. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, when illustration goes towards comics, I think comic, like a lot of uh, uh, popular culture stuff, I think that can get really bitchy and there's lots of trolls around. But I think generally the creators of both comics and illustration are, are really welcoming. Like you said before about web designers, um, I don't think it. Uh, crosses over necessarily to graphic designers, but um, yeah. Well, should we uh, should we go on from there? I've got a story about that. Oh, go on. Then. Okay, um, uh, a lady called Laura Calbag who um, is quite well known in the web community. She's a designer, um, and has been involved in a lot of um, public talking and speaking. And she's written her first book called accessibility for everyone and it's on a book yes. apart which are those lovely little mini books mm. that you can get um uh, from the list apart people um we've spoken about we've reviewed mike montero's one yeah design as a business so she finished her first one and her quote was i've written a book it's coming out very soon sign up to get it and uh, i'd like to say congratulations and well done yeah absolutely. Uh, um eric speakerman decided to um to jump in did you re- read this story i saw it happen on twitter oh did you because oh, I, I didn't I, I did yeah so eric speakerman everyone knows who he is um i'm gonna i'm gonna talk about this from the outside world because uh all the newspapers jumped on this story so essentially uh, if you hadn't heard the story eric speakerman jumped in and said um you wrote a text you didn't make a book um and uh, the where the design community jumped on that in quite a violent way. <laughs> I mean, he got slapped down quite badly, didn't he? He did, <clears throat> uh, deservedly he did. so for being rude. Um, well, I think it was his. 
he was so unapologetic initially about what he'd said that that got him the flack. I mean, yes, everyone did obviously react to that first tweet, but he was he just he didn't admit that he'd perhaps worded it incorrectly for a, a good few hours, and by that time it had gone bonkers. Yeah, I, I don't know the, all the results of that. Um, I think it was just really rude and um, uh, disrespectful to Laura, um, who mm. at that time, it's the first ever book, just needed people to be positive and uh, encouraging about what she'd done. And excited was, for her. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. You know, a hugely talented lady who has left the, she, I, I know her backstory actually, she left the UK because of Brexit. Um, she's gone to, I think they're in Sweden, somewhere like that she, with, okay. her, with her husband. What was interesting about this story, beside the fact that uh, you had this chap who jumped in and was very rude was one the mainstream media picked up on it um because subsequently jk rowling uh probably the most famous author in the world stepped in and uh, and made a comment and they saw eric speakerman as a nothing you know he was just like he was just a yeah. a, a sexist kind of commentator um yeah where in the design world he's pretty much king potato isn't he, he? Is. he's, a, uh, he's, he's one of he's one of the five top five top ten designers in the world um, absolutely or or voices at least um you've said in the past you know he always um he always replies and he always answers mm. um but yeah. i think he found the limit of of, <clears throat> of what twitter has become which you know i kind of it kind of backs up my feeling of what twitter is is it is just this immense raging torrent of opinion that if you have an if you have an opposing opinion against anybody you are seen as an enemy and i don't think he tried to be an enemy at all i I just think he worded it badly he yeah he made a joke he made a tongue-in-cheek joke that was just it was like a bad gag uh during a best man speech that fell flat oh yeah i've made a few of those (laughs) you know he it was badly worded it was inconsiderate you know, badly thought out. Um, you know, you, his first reaction should have been to congratulate her. And then you could have followed it up with, you know, but actually no one writes a book. You know, a book is made, people write a text or whatever he wanted to say. But but he was unapologetic for the first couple of hours. Um, I mean, he did say, you know, this isn't what I meant, but he didn't say, he didn't say sorry initially. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's what got him so much flack. He could have dealt with it better. But I, I think the whole sort of the dynamics around it were fascinating. Um, his reply to her was actually you wrote a text. It took a few other people and skills to make that into a book, which when you read it back on the hard light of day is, is just a terrible thing to say, especially her reply, yeah. which says, sorry, I'm so new. I'm still learning the correct yeah, language. I know. Bless her. And, um, Oh, she's just, you know, I, I've I've read and I've listened to her in several podcasts and she's just a really nice, nice person. She, there's, you know, she hasn't got a, a nasty bone in her body. Um, but he just kept on going, didn't he? He just says, he he's, you know, subsequent tweets, it does not fool out of the back of your computer. Um, and, uh, you know, he, I write design and set and print books, so I know. Um and then J.K. Rowling followed up with congratulations on writing your first book, Laura. Other people edited, copy edited, proofread, printed and bound it. You wrote, be proud, kiss. <coughs> yes. That's I'm the sure right her, response. Uh, yeah, I'm sure her book has, uh, has done well out of it, but it's an unfortunate way to, for it all to come about with her first book. Yeah. Um, someone also pointed out that on um, Eric Speakerman, I think it was on Eric Speakerman's website, he several at several points he calls himself. It's, all he says he's written books, so he falls foul of his own uh, criteria there. Yeah. So if you're looking for a book on accessibility for everyone, um, Laura Cowbags, your lady. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And uh, Eric Speakerman, uh, you need to. Um, pause before you tweet uh, it's why i yes. never tweet <laughs> oh is that it because you, you don't trust yourself 
Well, it's just it's like it's like pissing into slurry, isn't it? <laughs> uh, I don't think you should. Uh, that's how you should describe your tweet output job. But you know, mm. uh, mine. <laughs> you, <laughs> I I could save this for next week when we go back and talk about framing um, and proportions and everything because uh, it's to do with Dunkirk, the film. Uh, and someone has uh, added Hans Zimmer's Supermarine uh, score, part of the score from Dunkirk, to the 19, what was it, 1960-odd film, The Battle of Britain. Uh, and it's surprising how well that music still works against that film and raises the tension in the same way that it does in Dunkirk. And I guess that is down to that, I can't remember what it was called now, that uh, that kind of musical uh, technique that, that makes it sound uh, sound like a continually rising scale. Um, but yeah, it's worth, it's worth a little look. So you can, uh, Shep- you can treat Shep- yourself to shepherd that. Shepherd tones. The shepherd tones, yes. Well remembered, John. Um, yeah, but it's good. And it's always good to watch a uh, bit of Michael Caine in a Spitfire, anyway. Yeah, he just. I, I have you watched it the whole film? I watched it when yeah, I got back. Not for a back. long time. Uh, no, I watched it when oh, I yeah, got back said, from. Yeah. And um, he just disappears unless I'd nodded off. I don't. Where does he? Go? <laughs> he just goes. There's lots of parts <laughs> that just go um, in the film, but they don't make much of it. And the other oh. thing is, I was talking to Alan about this at the weekend. There's a lot of claret in in the film, a lot more than in Dunkirk. I think I don't know if there's yeah. any blood in it. There's any, is there? Um, but the blood is really, really bright red. Um, and Alice had an answer for this, but he couldn't remember when, <laughs> what it was all about. <laughs> Whether the film reacts to the colour of normal theatrical blood, so it makes it look brighter, which is why all those right. '60s films in Technicolor and. Uh, all those yeah. kind of things have really, really ridiculous. You know, it's almost like humbrol mm. red, red paint. Yeah, yeah. Um, but he had to refer back to me on that one, so uh, I'll, I'll get back to you next week. So, do you think in the early days of cinema they were still using what was it Kensington Gore? And uh, and <laughs> is that what it was called? <laughs> yeah, Brilliant. stage blood. Wow. Uh, and uh, and you know, once the kind of Big films came out. They had to start um, coming up with a new recipe for it, so it'd work better on color cameras. I don't know. We've got this perception of blood as a uh, as a dark red color, but when you see claret in an accident, or you know, if you've ever, I hope you haven't, but been involved in something that is quite, you know, where there's a lot of blood about, yeah, yeah. it is bright red. Yeah, but it's not that kind yeah. of. Like I say, it looks like humble enamel paint in uh, in Battle of Britain. Uh, I once spilled uh, a tin of humble enamel paint on our living room carpet. Bright red. How badly uh, did you get a bit of a slap for that one? I think I, I don't know how it happened. I do seem to recall. I don't know if it happened downstairs, and we, we had to take the carpet up and put it upstairs so that my mum's mum and dad's bed could go over the stain. <laughs> Uh, or, or, or what I was doing with Humbrol paint in my mum and dad's bedroom. But um, but yeah, I don't think it went down well. <laughs> <sighs> What's your next bit of news, John? Oh, gosh. Um, well, I've been researching linotype recently. I'm drawing three different pictures um, from right. a former website, uh, but also trying to get the old... Uh, the old art thing going again Uh, you know all I do at the moment is put words in boxes and uh, I do like drawing I don't do enough of it so I've drawn uh, some bits and bobs and I've been trying to draw a um, an early uh, rotary press so I've been doing a lot of research into that and um, one of the things I've been trying to find out is is how does a letterpress uh, typecasting machine work you know, right? Uh, unbelievable the technology behind hot, hot press, hot time. Yeah. Um, anyway, so I'm going to say the phrase "Atayoin Shredlu." Have oh, you? Bless you. Have you ever heard that? No. 
I, I only found it out last week, but but it's quite widely used in uh, sort of in culture, novels, books, um, character what? names. Yeah, it's like QWERTY. So, oh, okay. So on the keyboard... Oh, of, hang on. Sorry, one moment, John. My pie is arriving. Oh, I'll go and get mine at the same yeah. time. Hang on. Okay. Well, that's our first ever pie disaster. Um, oh, no. What's the, happened? The bottom of the pie just fell out um, onto the floor. So I've got the top uh, the top casing. Has, has um, Ralph got the bottom? Uh, no, I think it's too hot for him to eat. I've, I've managed to scoop some of it back in. Oh it's two second rule. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, uh, so tell me again about this word, which is like QWERTY. Right, but... probably, yeah, at Ateo in Shirdlu. Ateo in. No, I'm not getting. It's S H R D L U. So the typesetter, when they were casting type, if they made a mistake, they would run their fingers down the first two lines of the lowercase keys on the on the line of type <coughs> keyboard, uh, which mm-hmm. is arranged very differently to a normal keyboard in the fact that you had on the left-hand side, I'm doing this because I've only just learned this a week ago, so I might get this wrong, so apologies to uh, all I the see. type keys. So on the left-hand side, you have all the lowercase keys, and on the right-hand side, you have all the um, uppercase keys. So there's, they're, two, they're two separate uh, phenomena. Yep. There's no shift key at all. And in the middle of the keyboard were the numerical keys. So they were up to 90 keys allowed on a linotype machine, which was reduced if you went upper font size because the casting size was, was larger. Okay. Um, but I found a film that's an Italian film from the 60s of how a linotype mach- machine worked. And I had no idea just uh, how amazing the technology was behind. No, I don't. I haven't got any clue. Yeah. So I have to have, I have to watch that. Oh uh, yeah, it's. I've put it as my website of the week. It's unbelievable. Anyway, I was trying to work out how they made hot metal. So that's why, and I, I came across the word or the phrase "atoin shredlu." Cool. Which, did you say it's, it's used in sort of culture and literature as yeah? Names so and in computing, Schrödinger is a um, is an early artificial intelligence system in Lisp programming. Uh, in literature, it's been used in um, sci-fi. It was the name of a science fiction magazine fanzine. Uh, um, oh. Yeah, it's been uh, Thomas Pynchon <clears throat> obviously has uh, used. Yeah, yeah. But he's a bit dull. Wow, uh, what yeah. a lovely. Bit of knowledge that is brand new to us. I like that. Yeah, it, soundtrack of House of Cards episode uh, season two episode ten. Uh, two of the musical pieces, Atayuin and Shredalu. <laughs> Fantastic, amazing. Uh, yeah, so um, I will put the um, the link to the film in the uh, show notes. <clears throat> Marvelous. Uh, I'm going to follow that with um, something that you may well know about, but I had no idea. Uh, J.M.W. Turner, uh, marvellous English painter. Vickers, chap. Yes, lived in Twickenham. Yeah, I didn't know he lived in Twickenham. Uh, and they've opened his house as a museum. Have they? Yeah, and it's in Sandicum Lane, uh, which is... Uh, one lane over from uh, where we worked at Soda. Yeah. Weirdly enough, when we moved uh, our sign company from Crown Road, which was in the same place, to mm. Sandycombe Lane in Kew, we used to get lots of post yeah. deliver or lots of deliveries made to um, Mr. Turner's house. Wow. By accident. Where, I, you know, I, I didn't large know sheets was... of perspex would turn <laughs> up at his. <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea he was local, um, and I certainly had no idea his house was so close to where we'd worked. Um, but it looks beautiful now; it's been restored. Uh, really gorgeous um, job they've done of it. Um, so I'll definitely have to uh, go and have a look. So, is that a museum that's open all the time, or? Well, 
Uh, ten till one, one Wednesday to Sunday, self-guided visits. One till four p.m. guided tours. Mm. There you go. Um, I don't know if it's I don't know if it's free to get in. It doesn't mention uh, paying to get in. Oh, yes, it does. Six pounds. That's all right. <clears throat> I think I'd quite like a guided tour. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's nice to find that so local. <clears throat> what else you got? Well, I've got lots and lots and lots, but I'm going to skip. Uh, I uh, because we're coming up to an hour, and I want to keep it under an hour. Um, we have got a Pantone, um, always a company that's on the cutting edge, um, always looking to um, not make a buck, uh, and uh, you know, uh. an, an honourable company in every sense of the word. Um. Note, I hate buying Pantone colour books. <coughs> yes. Um, they have dedicated a permanent, one of their permanent colours. How kind of them to dedicate a colour? Mm. Uh, because they own all the colours. Um, it's called Love Symbol Number 2. And it's the official Prince colour. I don't know how much his uh, estate has had the uh, say in this. Well, I would imagine they've had an awful lot to say about it. Yeah. So, yeah, the Pantone <laughs> Colour Institute the benefits, is exciting. Is excited to announce the creation of Love Symbol Number Two, and so am I. I'm so excited by that. Um, but there you go. The official um, Prince Pantone Colour is forever uh, fixed in time. Absolutely bizarre. Yeah. It's not available for sale to the public, but uh, I urge you to go on that site and take a little colour picker of that purple um, and print your entire lounge with it. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. So should we get on to um, websites of the week then? Yeah. Before we have pies or should we dive straight to pies? No, I've got, what's your website of the week? I have got a podcast, which I've only just started listening to today. So last time we were on, I think, or the time before, I spoke about the Strip Panel Naked podcast, which is done by Hass. Um, and this is a friend of his uh, called Kieran Shiach. Uh, and it's called Journey into Misery. And in this podcast, he explains the complicated timelines and continuity of superhero comics to his girlfriend who doesn't know anything really about superhero comics. They what? were watching an episode of the flash and, uh, which I think features the, the character Barry Allen. Uh, and something was said and he said, Oh, my favorite flash is this other character who was the flash in a different DC universe. Uh, and his girlfriend couldn't quite get her head around this. So he decided that they'd, they're going to, um, he's going to explain everything all the complicated timelines and multiverses and new 52 and crisis on infinite universes. All that is going to explain to his girlfriend um, who must have the patience of a saint, but I've listened to the first couple of episodes and it's, it's good. And she, she does have the patience of a saint, but um, it's just a nice little podcast to listen to. And what's it called? Say it again. Journey, journey into misery. Oh, which I think is how she saw it initially. <laughs> I thought this was the one you sent to me to to read. No, so yes, there is another podcast uh, which is again Hass and this guy Kieran Shiach, uh, and it's called Under the Hood, and they are going to discuss one page of the Watchmen graphic novel every week, and it's going to take them eight years to discuss the whole graphic novel. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, what's yours? What's it going to take us eight years to explain? Uh, at hot type, um, <laughs> hot pies. Yeah, we could try and explain the Pantone color reference system. Well, this is my my website of the week is a website called Polite Company, um, which you can find at site.politecards.com. Uh, they might want to buy the domain Polite Company, um, but uh. Strangely enough, this is a story by Nick Asprey, who we've uh, mentioned on the show a few times. Um, Great writer and um, 
really interesting uh, and innovative creative chap. Um, and he writes a story about finding in Manchester uh, a um, uh, an industrial building um, with the words Linotype and Machinery Limited AD 1897. And it used to make uh, Linotype equipment. It employed more than 10,000 people. Uh, it had an estate of eight, 185 workers' cottages, two football grounds, four tennis courts, two bowling greens, a cricket ground, um, and various other stuff. So a bit like um, the village you came from, Rob. Um, yeah. Hang on. Uh, what's this got to do with this company? Which company? The, what The polite company. What's, uh, what's so, that story? Right. So I'm getting back to it. So he... Okay was exploring this place and found on a mezzanine floor a load of um, stuff that had been left there and not been removed. And inside one of the planned chests was uh, were drawings for um, linotype typefaces. And these this company is selling bits and bobs based on that. Uh, so well, you can I see, buy... Anna. I've got yes. some of those. Uh, you have? I have. Uh, I don't uh, know how old this site is, so... No, no, no. I've got some of those from an antiques fair, but linotype ones, just like yeah. that. So yeah. they are selling individual pages, so you can buy letters, or you can buy an entirely um, a bound books, which are quite expensive. So yeah. um, I, I ordered one, and um, they haven't been removing the products that they've sold, so um, I haven't got one, oh, which is a bit disappointing. But anyway, my, it's, a, it's a great article about finding stuff and old stuff. Yeah. Um, and there's beautiful linen bound uh, square box that you can buy with the original linotype master drawings in it. Gorgeous stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Really nice. So it must be pie time. Mmm. Pie. <laughs> what, 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 oh. what are the remnants of your pie then? Uh, it is a higgledy pie, which has not been successful in this show so far. No, has it got uh, a top? This one? it has got a top, Rob. It's been really? in the it's been in the freezer for a very long time. I think it's a red uh, red wine and steak pie. It's mm-hmm. it looks like a Scotch pie. Um, there's a large hole in it in the side. It's a bit like you know the Titanic or any kind of torpedoed ship in the Second World War. Um, <laughs> but I'm going. The, the top is very shiny and glossy. Um, looks good actually. Uh, obviously no gravy because that drained out onto the floor. Yep. I'm going in. It's very nice. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, it's okay. Uh, pastry, really good. It's like a puff pastry. Uh, beef, meh, could be anything. Um, the yeah. mushrooms are nice, though. Mushrooms are good with it. Uh, too oh, much pepper. You know, if I had this one, is it a little bit like a beef bourguignon? Yeah. Yeah. I might have had that one. <clears throat> yeah, I, I think I quite like that as well. Yeah. I'm going to give um, that a seven, Rob. A seven? Blimey. That's quite good. Yeah. Uh, I have got uh, a ham, hock and pea pie from Armstrong's Ooh. Butchers, which I think I've had before. Yeah. But they're Armstrong's Butchers just do the, the best pies. <laughs> Uh, and it's it's really nice. It's not too gloopy. Everything in it, you can kind of distinguish what all the individual bits are, the ham hock and the peas and the diced carrot. Mm. It's just a really, really good pie. Well, it's got to be an 8.6. You're just toying with me. No, it's gorgeous. It's a good pie. You'd probably give it a nine, John. I think generous scoring with my rounding. Um, I think that if people are living in West London, they need to get over to Armstrong's. They do, yeah. Um, Armstrong's in St Margaret's. Not only is it uh, a great butcher's, but also there's a couple of top pubs near there, and it's a beautiful place to visit. You know, if I if I I was earning more money, we would still be living there. And you can you can walk around the corner and go visit Turner's house. You can. It's literally a minute from Armstrong's. Yeah. Yep. There you go. Happy days. 
Well, that was good. It's nice to be back in the saddle, John. Anything else to say? No. It was a bit strange talking to you, uh, and um, it's been strange so long. Well, it's uh, I think it's our longest break. Good God. Yeah, we've really let let our um, <clears throat> our massive readership, listenership down. Well, there has been uh, uproar on Twitter, haven't there? People have been crying out for to, for the sound of our voices. I don't think that's true, um, is that? Well, maybe one person did. Um, but yeah, we're going to make an effort to, to get back into a, a regular um, uh, rhythm of podcasts now. Yeah, definitely. Every week. Well, I've, missed, I've yeah. really missed it. Yeah, me too. Me too, but things calm down now, hopefully. Yeah. So we uh, should be able to make a weekly schedule again. Yeah. So next week we're going to go on to our main topic, which will be about framing and uh, the relationship between um, the viewer and the object they're looking at, especially with film. That didn't make yes, any sense, okay. did it? No, that's good. I'll film have to do ratios. Research. Film ratios. Yeah. yeah, that sounds good. Okay then, John. Well, it's been uh, bloody lovely talking to you. Yeah. You too. And um, we'll talk, I'm sure we'll talk over the weekend. Yeah, absolutely. Right, all, all the right. best. Enjoy Good the luck tomorrow. Bye. Cheerio. Thank you very much. Bye. Bye. Bye.